Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Okay, okay. So you ordered another dress. This will be the fifth dress that you've ordered for our live show in Nashville. Five dresses. Are you planning on uh, costume changes? No, no, I just can't decide. Plus, I've been uh, perusing the uh, Mod Cloth app a lot lately. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> I've actually found another one that I like very much. Oh my much. God, that'll be six. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like one of those old-timey cruise ladies from the 30s that bring steamer trunks full of gowns. I hope to have steamer trunks. That sounds... Sounds really, yeah, weird. Like some sort of wearing apparel for a bizarre sex act. Make sure you get to put your steamer trunks on before we. Well, you know. (laughs) Speaking of the uh, Nashville show, the VIP tickets have sold out. Yes, that was surprising. Uh, That was faster than we thought. Well, I mean, we didn't know they were going to sell out, but uh, we were, of course, hoping they would. But. Certainly, we didn't think they would sell out that quickly. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, we're thrilled. And thank you so much. Uh, Did get a few messages afterwards uh, that people were not pleased that they were sold out. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, One one lady actually used the the word heartbroken. (laughs) There are still tickets available, general admission tickets. And the way Zanies is laid out, there are no bad seats. Oh, no. At all. No, no, no. So, yeah, you can uh, find the link to get those tickets on our website. Theboxofoddities.com. Also, all the social meds. And again, the show is February 27th, Zanies Comedy Nightclub in Nashville. VIP tickets sold out. General admission tickets still available. Come wear dresses with me. Yeah, and me. 
You've got six. You can let me wear one. You'd look so good with something a little off the shoulder. Like strappy? No, a little off the shoulder. That sounds very classic. Okay, I've got my uh, my topic for today, and uh, this one is disturbing uh, and bloody. Now, if you will, just for a moment in your mind, picture a dark, tangled forest just outside Somerville, Georgia. Okay. Uh, it's a place called Taylor's Ridge. Now, out in the middle of the wilderness, there is a ruin of, of an old brick mansion. Oh, abandoned? Oh, it's abandoned. It's been abandoned since the early 80s, and it is all falling in. But it is, uh, it is an old mansion that is very creepy. The name of the mansion was Corpsewood Manor. So they just started off with creepy. They, they weren't yep. like, let's build up to this. They were just like, all right, guys, this place... Is a fucking shit show. And a shit show it was. To this day, especially, uh, you know, ghost hunters, they will hike out into the forest to uh, to visit this place and, you know, look for evidence of the afterlife. There was a horrible murder there Ooh. in 1982 on December the 12th. And some people think that the uh, that the building, what's left of it, carries a curse. There's a there's an old superstition that if you if you take one of the bricks <laughs> with you, you're cursed for life. Oh wow! And so teenagers, of course, they go out there with a Bud Twelve pack and hang out, and you you'll find crushed cans all over the place. Sure. Unfortunately, that's so upsetting. And they'll test the theory of uh, the bricks by taking a brick with them. That's not the way to test things out. Like, oh, I guess I'll just see if I get cursed for life. It's not like, oh, let's just see if this gives me a rash. Yeah. It's, it's forever. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about that is what's the best you can hope for? Nothing happens. What? Like six months later, you suddenly realize that everything's fine and you go, well, that that didn't work. You know? Yay. This is really anticlimactic. For sure. Well, Corpsewood Manor was owned by Dr. Charles S. Scudder and Joey Odom. They were a couple that moved to Georgia from the Chicago area. Uh, the fact that they were known to be gay was enough to create quite a stir in the early 80s. Sure. Uh, especially in that part of, of the rural South. Now, other stories have, uh, have surfaced that uh, suggest that the two men worshipped dark spirits, that perhaps even the devil himself. Of course they have, it, and, because they were strange and came from somewhere else and lived in the middle of the woods. But in this case, they actually did. Oh. oh. They lived out there in that mansion that they built by themselves. There was no running water, though, no electricity. They lived with kerosene lamps. Outside the manor, there was a sign that said, Beware of the thing. There was a gargoyle over the door. After the murder had taken place, oh. investigators found pentagrams, human skulls, and checks written to the Church of Satan. According to Chattanooga County investigator Tony Gilliland, he said you could feel... The presence of evil. Maybe it was just stuffy in there because they didn't have like electricity, so they wouldn't have any like good. Says poor ventilation. Air purifiers or anything. <laughs> it could be. So on December twelfth, nineteen eighty-two, they were preparing to celebrate the winter equinox, and that was the night that they were brutally, brutally murdered. Oh, in their own home. Yes. By who? What happened? Now, once they finished investigating the crime scene after the murder, after they left, a fire started in the house and burned corpsewood to the ground, with the exception of the uh, brick exterior. Police never arrested anyone for arson. So what happened out there? What happened at corpsewood? I'm getting my information from the lineup 
Times Free Press, Atlas Obscura, and all things interesting. So in 1976, on his 50th birthday, Dr. Charles Scudder quit his job. He was a professor of... Scudder! I'm sorry. Please continue. He was a professor of pharmacology at Loyola University in Chicago. And he quit his job at 50, and he moved with his two dogs and his longtime partner, Joseph Odom, to this 40-acre parcel of land that he purchased in Georgia. He was, he was an eccentric guy, even at Loyola before he moved. Uh, Scudder's work was not typically academic. Uh, he performed government-funded experiments with mind-altering drugs like LSD. Mm. He did things like dyed his hair purple. He kept a pet monkey. He was an unusual guy. Now, when he left Loyola... He took a few souvenirs with him, he, including two hu- human skulls, a gargoyle that he had, and 12,000 doses of LSD. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you're t- going on a trip. <laughs> a trip, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scudder and Odom uh, moved down to the land. They lived in a camper and built by hand this beautiful mansion, just the two of them, out of brick. That blows my mind. I know. I mean, that's an interesting enough story for me. Well, in fact, Scudder wrote an article for Mother Earth News in 1981 about his experience. It was uh, in part to document his fresh start out in the country. Oh. He was really tired of, of the rat race. He said he felt that his students at the time were not engaged and he, what he was doing was not fulfilling. And so he sold everything he had and the two of them moved down there to start over. So when the couple finished building the building, it was a two-story brick home, but they also built a number of outbuildings, including uh, a three-story chicken house with a furnished top floor that they nicknamed the pink room and that's where they entertained guests above the chicken house yeah strange now one of those guests was a guy named kenneth avery brock he was 17 years old and at the time he had run into the uh, couple while he was rabbit hunting and asked if they would give him permission to hunt on their land and they were cool that yeah sure go ahead you know and and so he would stop by every once in a while scudder and odom uh, had planted a small vineyard there and they were making their own homemade wine and so they invited him over for some some homemade wine and he would come over quite often and hang out with them okay he got the impression that these guys were really really wealthy because they they lived in this huge what appeared to this guy mansion the reality was they really weren't. He had sold everything. Scudder had sold everything. And they came down and built this place on their own. And right. pretty much, you know, they were living off the land in a really nice mansion. I just don't understand the chicken house thing. When I say chicken house, what it was was like a stone tower or brick tower. Mm-hmm. And chickens were kept in the lower level. But then you went up to a second level. And I think they stored feed for the chicken and things up there. And then the third level was a whole separate area. That was the... Like a sexy treehouse. Yeah, a sexy stone treehouse. That was what they called the pink room. Okay. I still don't like combining the foul living space with uh, saucy playtime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I would feel uncomfortable having sexual relations next to barnyard foul. That, but that's, that's just me. So Brock got this idea that these guys were wealthy. In the winter of, of 82, Brock moved into a trailer with uh, a friend whose name was uh, Samuel Tony West. Now, Samuel West was considerably older 
As I mentioned, Brock was 17, West was 30-ish. So Brock, they were drinking one night, and Brock starts telling them about these queer devil worshippers. That's a quote, queer devil worshippers, that he knew. And he believed they were hoarding a fortune in their isolated estate in the woods. So these guys hatched this plan that they were going to rob Scudder and Odom. So on December 12th, 1982, Brock and West uh, decided this was a good time to put the plan in action. So they decided to take a drive out to Corpsewood Manor. And by the way, they named Corpsewood Manor because there were a lot of dead trees around the property. And so they use that as inspiration. So they they get set to head out to Corpsewood Manor. They picked up a rifle from Brock's mother. They said they were going to go rabbit hunting. And on the way, they picked up West's nephew, uh, Joey Wells, and his date, Teresa Hudgens. They were, I guess, coming back from going out uh, for an evening or something. So uh, they went out to the secluded house. They were huffing a combination of alcohol, paint thinner, and glue, uh, glue known as Toodaloo. So they're huffing and they're driving and they're driving and they're huffing. And they and they get out to Corpsewood mm-hmm. and everything started out pretty normal. Uh, they were greeted warmly by Scott. I mean, they showed up unannounced. Mm-hmm. And all the, huffed up. Yeah, all huffed up. And Scudder and Odom are like, buddies, come on in. Hey, you know, they're all like really uh, very warm and welcoming. And then they all climbed the 40 foot ladder into the pink room and they sat around up there drinking uh, their homemade wine. So before long, Brock gets up. He goes out to the truck. He says he's going to get some more toodaloo. But he returns carrying the rifle. And according to later testimony, upon seeing the gun, Scudder, who was, you know, a little bit buzzed, just kind of giggled and said, bang, bang. A couple of days after the murder, a friend of the guys uh, called police to say that he had gone out to the house and saw bullet holes in the door of the kitchen at Corpsewood Manor. And that launched an investigation. Sheriff Gary McConnell received another phone call at that time from a teenage girl and her boyfriend who wanted to talk. This was the young couple that went out there with them. Okay. We have firsthand testimony here of what happened. Earlier in the week, they said, the boyfriend's uncle picked them up after their date, and he brought with him his roommate, Brock. Now, while the young couple sat in the back seat, 30-year-old West and 17-year-old Brock discussed their plans for the night, and they invited the couple along with them. They wanted to go out and visit the devil worshippers in the woods. There was no talk about murder or anything at that point, or even robbery. So they go out to Corpsewood, and they went up into the brick tower that the men had built, and they drank the homemade wine. Brock and Wes decided to, at that point, act out this plan that they had uh, concocted earlier on. So Brock goes downstairs. He gets the Remington Speedmaster rifle. He comes back up. Scudder says, bang, bang, and is laughing. And at that point, Brock pressed a knife to Scudder's throat. And then he cut up strips of, um, of a sheet and tied his hands and feet and stuffed rags in his mouth. Now, as West held Scudder hostage, Brock went downstairs to the kitchen where Odom was. And he shot Odom and the couple's two English Mastiffs. What? Who were just sleeping next to the wood stove. Brock then returned to the tower and he and West took Scudder downstairs and showed him his dead lover and his dead dogs, led him through the kitchen to the living room, and then they threw him on the couch. They removed his gag, and they demanded his money. Scudder said he did not have any money, which was true. He Mm -hmm. did not have any money. Obviously, he was very distraught. He couldn't stop looking 
at his lover, who had been shot to death. He stood up from the couch. His ankles were still tied, and he tried to scuffle his way over to Joey to see if he was, you know, if he was dead. Wes told him to stop, but Scudder kept uh, shuffling across the room toward Odom. And according to witnesses, as he's shuffling across the room to Joey, he said, I asked for this. Now, nobody in the room understood what he meant by that. But at that point, West opened fire and he blew Scudder into the bookcase, killing him, shot him five times. And then West just kind of stood in the living room stiff while Brock ran up and down the stairs, ripping out drawers and, and upturning furniture and looking for anything of value. The witness, the couple that witnessed this sat together on a chair watching as Brock and West uh, pulled. Uh, they found a couple of silver candelabras, a gold plated dagger, a leather knife, a bracelet, some cut glass and a radio. And they just put it in a pillowcase. And then they left in Scudder's Jeep telling the teenagers that if they said anything, that they would kill them, too. Why would you take them on that horrible Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? So bizarre and fucked up. So after they murdered these guys, they left in Scudder's Jeep. And on the door of Scudder's Jeep were painted white pentacles, which they uh, a little bit later on decided that made the vehicle a little too high. A little conspicuous. A little too high profile. So what they did was kidnapped Navy Lieutenant Kirby Phillips from a rest stop in Mississippi with the intention of just tying him to a tree and stealing his vehicle. But while Brock was unloading the Jeep, West just shot him twice and killed him. Oh, man. The two men then split up. Brock went uh, and voluntarily surrendered to police in Georgia on the 20th of December. West did the same thing in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Christmas Day. Now, keep in mind, this was late 1982, early 1983. And it became a media circus surrounding Charles Scudder and Joseph Oden, who were the victims, but they were being portrayed by the defense attorneys and by the media as uh, gay Satan worshipers. So they were being tried in the court of public opinion. And you remember at the time there was uh, the satanic panic. Oh, for sure. People were afraid that uh, loved ones are being murdered in the woods. Iron Maiden, Rottweilers. Right. It was rough. Yeah. And that made them easy targets for this satanic panic at the time. It was sweeping the nation. It didn't help that during the confession, Wes said, quote, all I can say was they were devil worshipers and I killed them. And that's how I feel about it. That's not even feelings. Right. That's not even. No. Now, both men were found guilty. Brock received three consecutive life terms. West was sentenced to death. West's death sentence was later overturned on appeal. Both men are still behind bars. That is terrible. So these these two guys are dead. They were killed in their own house for a radio and some candlesticks, essentially. Then they're tried in in the court of public opinion, made out to be, quote, gay devil worshipers. The stories began to circulate about the couple's unusual homestead. And of course, the name Corpsewood Manor probably didn't help much. Mm, Um, But even before a fire destroyed most of the non-brick portions of the building, people began to say the place was haunted. And uh, whether it is or not, there's, I haunt that shit. There's a lot of paranormal activity out there, and they and they say it's due to the brutal murder, and that these two guys, uh, their spirits are just restless. I mean, if ever there was a case for that, I would say, yeah, probably yeah. that's happening. Even to this day, 
Those who visit the ruins of Corpsewood Manor say that they hear gunshots coming from inside where the tower was. They hear barking dogs. They hear invisible strains from a harp being played. And Scudder owned a harp, and he used to play the harp at night in his house in the woods. Mm-hmm. So even though Corpsewood Manor, or what remains of it, is on uh, technically private property, the owners of the land don't mind if people go in and, and visit it as long as you don't trash the place. And, right. and as long as you respect the fact that two men died a horrible death there nearly 40 some odd years ago. So I did a little searching, and if you want to go, here are the directions. Turn onto Mountain View Road from the main highway, a right turn if you are coming from Somerville. Mountain View Road ascends the mountain and becomes a gravel road. Black Springs Road is a sharp right turn off this road, unmarked save for a small metal mile marker. After going through a few sharp curves on Black Springs Road, look to your left for a narrow gravel drive. There are two large stones there side by side. Those stones were put there so that people won't drive up there. At that point, you have to get out and walk. The trek will take you through the woods. You'll occasionally detour to bypass parts of uh, the path blocked by fallen trees and debris. Uh, Continue to follow the path, though. After about 15 minutes of walking, you'll see a very small clearing on the left. At this point, look to the right. You will see two crumbling brick columns about three feet high. That used to be the entrance to the property. Turn right, proceed forward. Please be respectful of this property as you explore. Despite being private property, visiting is allowed and local law enforcement has no problem with explorers as long as they are responsible and respectful. Bear in mind that you may encounter other individuals or groups while exploring. This is according to Atlas Obscura. Wow. You want to go there? I can't decide. I kind of do. I don't want to camp out overnight or anything, but maybe a nice sunny Saturday afternoon stroll. I'm fascinated by the fact that these two guys moved out there in a camper and built a brick mansion by themselves. I just more or less want to go to explore and investigate their masonry work. You're not buying that, are you? Nope. No. Okay, I have a morbid fascination. What can I say? But I will be respectful. Corpsewood Manor, everyone. Ugh. Yeah. That's rough. And I want to give a shout out to Wug Nation. He's a very active freak on our social media. And he's the one that recommended that story and about 10 others. So I'm surprised we haven't done one of his stories before now. Thanks, Wug. We appreciate it. (laughs) Halfway through and you're still awake? It must be time for That Thing in the Middle. That Thing in the Middle today's episode, uh, Bizarre Things People Collect that you can find online. Number five, Graham Barker's Naval Fluff Collection. Naval Fluff? Yeah, belly lint. Oh, okay. Not just lighthearted nautical stories. Number four, Air Sickness Bag Virtual Museum. Number three, Barney Smith's Toilet Seat Art. (laughs) Toilet Seat Art? From the past 30 years, Barney's created over 700 artistically decorated toilet seat lids. Well done, Barney. Number two, Bob Toll's fish posters. Bob Toll collects posters, but not any posters, just ones with fish on them. He's got a lot, too, like 700, something like that. What's your hobby? Fish posters? And number one, moist towelettes. (laughs) The guy has a moist towelette collection. He's got a website. Oh, it says, welcome to the exciting world of moist towelette collecting. It sounds exciting. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. What's up, freaks? 
Are you ready for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected? Cat and Jethro Gilligan Toth tell the oddest stories to your ears unprotected. Stories of pugs and their snorties. How weird. And the poop chart. Okay, that's actually pretty weird. Any hoozle. Thank you listeners for being with us here. As we lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the spit on my glasses and now i've got to did you oh, yeah. i'm good i'm good that was that was sent to us by song finch song finch works with hundreds of emerging artists musicians and songwriters to bring your stories and memories to life through a one-of-a-kind song we thought this would be a cool thing to share with you because you know the holiday season's upon us if you're looking for a unique gift for somebody, uh, why not a personalized song? They, they do great work, obviously. We love that. It's amazing. And uh, they started just $99. They're delivered within a week, which blew my mind. And they're handcrafted to give you the best song imaginable that include the things that are important to you. And I was looking at their website. They work with a, a songwriting community of over like 350 professional musicians and songwriters. And it's growing all the time. And uh, as you can tell by by that song, uh, they put a lot of thought into it. It really is magnificent. We listened to it like four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> if you're looking for a unique gift for somebody this year, this is the thing. Song Finch. So we asked him if we could get a special deal for you, our Box of Oddities freaks. And uh, here's the deal. For 20 bucks off your personalized song from scratch... Go to songfinch.com and use promo code BOX. Build a song from scratch at songfinch.com. Save 20 bucks by using promo code BOX. Again, songfinch.com, promo code BOX. Your family will 
love it. Or your friends. Or whoever it is you're giving it to. Maybe it's your boss. What a great way to get a raise. In fact, have them write a song about how you deserve a raise. Or it's a great way to quit. Tell them to write a song about how your boss should cram it. Or about how you think that maybe you should be transferred into another department because you got a thing for them. Or her. Songfinch.com promo code BOX. Or you found that weird collection of hair in their desk. There's no easier way to tell them than with a song. This is the Box of Oddities. Your mileage may vary. I should have asked Songfinch to do a What You Got For Me song <laughs> that I could play right here. Because it's your turn and what you got for me. I want to talk today about the amazing Hoitzen. The amazing Hoitzen. Okay. Interest meter is pegged. The Hoitzen, also known as the reptile bird or the skunk bird or the conhe pheasant or the stink bird, is so lovely. Well, with a name like Stinkbird, how could it not be? The Hoatzin lives in swamps, forests, and mangroves of the Amazon and the Orinoco basins of South America. So if um, so, if you're picturing South America, it's he kind of lives in the upper right-hand side. The upper right-hand corner of South America. Yep. Okay. Hoatzin is the only member of the genus Tho. Opthysicomus, which translates from ancient Greek to wearing long hair behind. He has a very nice crest, is basically what they're getting at. So do I, by the way. Oh, yeah. Although somebody on our social media accused me of wearing a wig when they saw our, our promotional photos. Well, you've got extraordinary hair. It's hard to believe. It's pretty darn perfect. So I get that. I have to purposely muss it up so that people don't think it's a wig. Right. Because it's just... It's, it's like Sally Field's hair in Steel Magnolias. <laughs> it's exactly like Sally Field's hair in Steel Magnolias. Only more silver. The taxonomic position of the uh, Hoatzin bird family has been greatly debated, and it's still actually pretty far from clear. Hoetzen was originally described by German zoologist Müller in 1776, and there's been a lot of debate about his relationship with other birds. So because of his distinctiveness, it's been... Hoetzen's been given his own family and a suborder, and at various times it's been thought that they were relatives of certain game birds, the rails, bustards, uh, doves, etc. And there's a whole genome sequencing study published in 2012 that places Hoetzen as the sister taxon of a clad composed of cranes and plovers. 2015 genetic research indicates that the Hoatzin is the last surviving member of a line of birds that branched off in its own direction 64 million years ago, Whoa. shortly after the extinction event that killed the non-avian dinosaurs. No kidding. And there's there are a lot of things about Hoatzin that makes you think maybe he forgot that he's not a dinosaur a little bit. Tell me about that. So Hoatzin is pheasant-sized. He's about 26 inches long. He's got a long neck, small head head and he weighs about two pounds he's got an unfeathered blue face with maroon eyes and his head is topped by a spiky rufous crest that sounds very dinosaurish <laughs> it does <laughs> um he's got a long tail it's kind of sooty brown and then he's got a very uh, buff colored chest piece his the upper parts of his body are like a sooty brown, but with some light striping. And then the underside of him is like this really rich chestnut color. It's hard to describe 
this bird and for you to understand like how friggin' weird he looks. He's just all kinds of spiky. <laughs> Overall, he's described as a very clumsy bird. Uh, he doesn't actually fly very well. Uh, he's more of a clamoring from tree to tree type of bird. And he's pretty good at clamoring from tree to tree because of his claws. And he's got normal bird claws in the way that other birds have claws. But one of the things that makes Hoatzins so special is that baby Hoatzins have claws sprouting from their stumpy little wings. Wow. So, yeah, definitely dinosaurs. Right. There is, of course, uh, evolutionary explanation for this. Uh, They build their nests on tree branches that extend out over water. And because of the dangers of predators and such, um, one of their defense mechanisms is they will just drop out of the tree if like a hawk or something comes by into the water, paddle their way back to the ground and then use their little wing claws to scramble back up the tree. And then cut a bitch. That's just one of the things that makes Hoatzin so special. One of the other things that is just so cool about this bird is that he is an herbivore. He eats leaves and fruits, uh, but the way that he deals with these leaves and fruits in his inside bits is a little bit different. So he has a digestive system with an enlarged crop, which is uh, kind of like an extension of his esophagus right below his his head and into his neck. He's got this... Uh, It's where he keeps his sunglasses and cigarettes? Yeah, it's um, something like that, except for instead of sunglasses and cigarettes, it's the food that he's consumed. He stores it there, and then it ferments. Oh, wow. He's like a cow. Okay. You know how cows have those stomachs that they, you know. Like a cud. But that fermentation process is disgusting, and that's how (laughs) he gets the name Stinkbird. I see. Because it smells like rotten... uh, it's been described as smelling like shit. I so see. it's yeah. like and shit bird just doesn't have the same ring. It doesn't. No. Right. No. So it's, it's, it's kind of like rotting shit, which is too like a combo of not good smells. Sure. So this is not the kind of bird that would be domesticated and kept in one's house. You don't see a lot of them in no, homes. No. no. So yeah, that's obviously the name stink bird comes from his, uh, his stanky odor. Um, and that's just, it's just part of his digestive system. And it also lends to self-defense. Um, word on the street is that uh, part of the reason that they're not doing like like there are people on the street talking about the the stink bird <laughs> everywhere you go it's like water cooler talk you you go down to get a new cup of coffee and everybody's hanging out in the kitchen talking about Listen, the stink bird cud it would be a better world if they were all right <laughs> Okay. Let's not let's talk about Kardashians less stink birds more. Well, I'm 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 with you on that Thank one. Thank you. So in Brazil, uh, indigenous people sometimes collect the hoatzin eggs for food, and very rarely the adult birds are hunted. But in general, it it is rare because they're they smell horrible and they word on the street have, yeah, don't taste very good. Well, I can't imagine they would. No, I mean even if they did. Why would you want to eat them? Right. You'd think it would be really hard to slice into something and be like, mm, I'm going to get into this when yeah. it smells like garbage left out in the hot sun for days. And rotting shit. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Also rotting shit. One of the things that's really neat about Hoitzen, and I feel like I've said that like six times, but it's they're so cool. They they're also really chill birds. So if you're out in the forest and or or tootling by on a river, and there's some of these Hoitzens, which they do kind of hang out in groups, and they see you, they're not going to just fly away. They'll kind of just wait and see what you're up to. And you can get pretty close to them. No, you can't. <laughs> they're you probably don't want to. They're probably counting on that. <laughs> but, they're not going to bother us. <laughs> hey, hey, Jerry, check out this guy in a canoe. Oh, don't worry about it. We smell bad. <laughs> but even if they didn't smell bad, you could get pretty close to them. Um it might be because they're not really good at flying away. <laughs> it might be it too. <laughs> but um, but they're just they're relatively chill. So uh, they're going to check you out. They're going to kind of let you do your thing before they freak out and fly off. Um, which means they would be pretty easy to catch and hunt. But nobody wants to. Nobody wants to. But if you are tootling by, yep. it's not hard to find them. They're very, very noisy birds. And they don't just like squawk, you know, like plus, you, you picture, oh, go ahead. <laughs> you could probably smell them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Plus they smell like rotting shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my big tip off, you know, yeah. and there must be some stink birds in the area. And, you know, you start looking at the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> what did I step in some? Oh my God. Do you remember like... We were kids, and, and in the springtime, the snow would melt off, and all the accumulated dog shit from the winter was, like, piled up and fermenting in your yard, and you go out and you try to play a game of wiffle ball. No. <laughs> and you end up smelling like stink birds. Remember that? <laughs> that was fun. No. Anyway, they're very chatty birds. Uh, they, uh, they not only have... Bird calls, like most birds do. Uh, they also groan a lot. And <laughs> Well, can you blame them? They smell like rotting shit. They also croak, hiss, and grunt. <laughs> you, know, you just keep going. I love these birds. They're so cool. <laughs> they grunt and they smell like rotting shit. They're so good. It's like a baby. <laughs> I can't wait to the next time that we go to South America. We're going to find us some Hoatzins. And <laughs> <Let's use laughs> I'm going to go to South America and find me some Hoatzins. <laughs> well, not, not like... They got some of the finest Hoatzins you've ever imagined not in like South that. America. Anyway, <laughs> that's the Hoatzin. Yep. Stinky dinosaur birds. I can see the wheels turning here, and you don't need to make a joke about this amazing bird, okay? I'm Let's not, just talk about how amazing this bird is and move yeah, on with our yeah, lives. But it smells like rotting shit, so <laughs> my mind won't stop. It won't stop, sweetie. Yeah, I think I've exhausted all my poop jokes, so I'm just going to move on to... Uh, this is a, a message we received on our social media from Aurora. She wrote to us, My kid quoted your podcast in the middle of a Catholic wedding. <laughs> I just love it when emails start like that. <laughs> in the episode during that thing in the middle, you had a man's story uh, of uh, his glitch in the Matrix where he kept hearing a cow say his name, Tyler. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was. Our... What? What do you want? <laughs> Fuck you, cow. Fuck you, you cow. <laughs> made me look like an asshole. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, Wyoming chief chief freak Tyler. Um, anyway. 
She says, okay, back to the wedding. Uh, they were going to say their vows. And the priest says, Tyler, repeat after me. And my seven-year-old says very loudly and clearly, Tyler. <laughs> it was one of my most proud moments as a parent. Lots of love to you. Thanks, Aurora. We appreciate that you shared how our podcast helped ruin a wedding. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't forget, even though the VIP tickets have sold out for our Nashville show in February, there are still plenty of good seats available in general admission, and we really would love to see you. Join us. You can get your tickets by going to our website. TheBoxOfOddities.com The Box of Oddities happens twice a week, and we will see you on Monday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those I report to to beseech you for assistance. The Box of Oddities is free. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, it is merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. I'm going to blow my nose first. Ouch! Oh, that looks like it hurt. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find historical blindness on most podcast players and platforms.